Hello, and welcome to episode 207 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with George Vega, creator of World of M. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. George, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. For anybody who hasn't listened to um, episodes with you previously on, can you give us a quick bio about yourself? And then after you finish that, can you give us a elevator pitch for World of M? Sure thing. Uh, my name is George Vega, and I'm a freelance illustrator and graphic designer. Um, I do everything from uh, comic book illustration to pinup work to character design to commissions and logo design and almost anything on the creative side um, that I can work into my schedule. Nice. And what about the uh, sort of a quick uh, elevator pitch for World of M and then we'll go into a deep dive on on the book. Sure thing. Uh, The World of M is a steampunk fantasy adventure story uh, based in a world that's very much like ours. The idea behind it is if we had something like magic, something like uh, machines, uh, steam bots in our world, and especially in a certain time period in our history, how much of our world would be affected by it and how much of our world would be changed or, or the history as we know it. So if you think about it this way, let's figure out what if there was this, instead of just the industrial revolution, there was this steampunk <laughs> re- revolution that, that, that changes the course of our history. Mm-hmm. And certain people and a certain type of people um, throughout the world that didn't have the power to um, fight, let's say, what happened to things um, historically as far as imperialism what would happen if those cultures were, had a chance to fight back, had a chance to be able to um, use other means, not just technology, but other means to um, change their course of their history. So that's, the, I would say that's my whole premise, my whole thinking behind the world of them. And you also sort of have like uh, in the graphic and sort of almost like a log line, you have like machines, magic and mayhem, right? Sort yes. of like to, to go along with the theme of, M's and and what you just described. Yes, yes, and um, that's that's definitely key in, into um, what this comic is about, right? Uh, magic machines and mayhem. And as a matter of fact, this issue, issue number two, you get to see uh, peer through the window of of or look, I guess behind a looking glass, <laughs> and see why we even use those names. And I'm very excited for people to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a very cool step as far as the, the story goes. It's, uh, it's always great to see the, like your, 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 the art from this book, obviously, but also just like, it's, it, we talked about this last time as well, but you have these like great, you know, like those, those, those M's that words that you just sort of mentioned, it's sort of cool to see like what branches off of that and the character design, you know, mm-hmm. how you blend magic and steampunk into each character. So, you know, you, and especially I love, you know, the main robot. Um, what, 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 Walter Tank. Yeah. Walter Tank. He's just <laughs> the coolest character in the world. And um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know we've, we, we've talked about them before, but you know, uh, 
I guess for people who haven't heard the first episode, yeah. Could you sort of like elaborate on like character design um, based off of those like three principles? Yeah, yeah. Um, short, short thing. As a matter of fact, let's let's take this as a. Uh, how Jim Shooter would would believe would, would would take the belief in comics. This is everyone's first comic, so this sure. is everyone's first time listening to to George talk about his his comic book. And I um, just never get tired of you talking about character <laughs> design, so that might be oh. also it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, super cool. But um, yeah, yeah, so um, how the those uh, let's say those three keywords interact with which each character is that each being each person each character in this world would be a representative of those three main words right uh, a machine uh magic and mayhem now mayhem that's kind of like you know i have to say it's um intangible you know um but the mayhem is every is chaos right mm-hmm. um chaos could be people chaos can be the magic itself what kind of chaos the magic um creates uh, machines. We're talking the steam bots, uh, steam bots, <laughs> uh, t- the the technology, um, the inventions created using using um, both technologies, which is um, or including magic and including um, machine machinery. So we have those those two worlds combining, and then the importance of how each individual in this world would actually push to one of those. Um, keywords or like let's say almost like a character class if, if for those who for those of you who play uh, who play role-playing games how, how they would actually almost fit into um, uh, uh, either into that character class or into that keyword or parts of those keywords that's so cool that's uh, that was like and that was a new way of describing it too so I really like that that sort of philosophy deeper philosophy in the character design yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? I think I've, I, I've actually have evolved as far as um, being able to, to describe th- this comic as well. As, as the years have gone by, I, I started with a, hey, I like steampunk. I like, um, I like history. I like the Victorian era. There, there's all these different aspects that I can infuse in, into this comic. But then, as it's developing, there's certain things that are solidifying, and it's definitely the, uh, those aspects. On, on, on how it um, influences this world, and I'm, I'm, I am taking I am taking a lot from our actual history up until that time. You know, um, for instance, I, I I can make a clear point as far as issue issue number one. We have the Silk King. The Silk King is is the actual. Um, he's called the Silk King because he owns the Silk Roads, so to speak, right? And we know the Silk Roads were around. I don't even know when they were established, but we're talking from the medieval times all the way up into up until um, uh, boating and shipping was uh, was uh, was a thing, and these silk roads they were called silk roads because that's where the merchants would would travel to uh, uh, for trade. For mm-hmm. we're talking hundreds of years, right? So in my in my world, this one guy, the Silk King, actually took all of that over. He's the number one um, transporter, <laughs> manufacturer of of garments. Hence, in the story, how he had someone in prison so that he can he can um take advantage of her garment making ability that's sorry matt you can go ahead no i was just wondering like it when you were describing that and you know you said victorian era um but like do you have sort of like a location and like a like a 
a set of years or maybe an era that you feel like most of this story falls into? It sounds like it could sort of be sprawling, but I don't know if like with one and two, like if we're certain, certainly like in a couple of areas and maybe like if we could narrow it down to like 100, 200 years of like the history that we kind of know, like do you, do you have that sort of like pinpointed? Uh, yes, and and I can easily say without giving away too much that the history of the world in, in, in this comic book is the same probably till about, I, I'm just going to, around the um, 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably where, where I'll leave it because that's when everything turns. So technically in this world, as I, as I make it, everything before that is what happened as far as the history that we know or as uh, history as much as I know or I, under, I understand it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there on, out is where um, there are things that are like probably stuff that 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 if this this is ongoing for years that that are going to be dealt with farther down the road. Um, that is the the timeline I would say. So you could easily figure our history up until about the 1700s sometime. Maybe and then there's sort of the like 18th. a divergent like right. timeline that like you know everything that we know up until then is true and then this story happens and then we sort of go off on a, like an alternate divergent timeline that delivers these awesome stories to us. Correct. Correct. Cool. And, and, and that's why you would even have, you know, and as far as technology, it, it, it's hard to even pinpoint what year it is right now, so to speak, like an exact year, because at that point, you know, who's to say what happens if this invention, like, let's say, you know, even in, in our history, if the light bulb was discovered, 50 years prior, what would happen? Where mm-hmm. would we be at right now? If it was discovered 50 years later, now imagine if, if um, imagine if now there's a, a whole nother element called magic, a whole sure. nother type of, 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 of science within itself, a whole type of type of realm of, of reality within itself that will influence um technology that will influence every day that will influence commerce that will influence the economy um that that's how i apply these like you know uh machines magic and mayhem it's like you know how i'm turning these (laughs) these uh these knobs do you ever think about that um and i might mangle the 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 quote here but there's the the arthur c clark quote about like magic is just sort of a technology that we don't understand um like so do you think about that with like a little bit of the magic that like there might be somebody who is portraying magic in your story but it's actually a little bit more technologically advanced that with this the steampunk technology um that's a a very good question um that would be probably within the context of this world. Um, magic itself, it's almost like a way of bending reality. Okay. And a way of, of, of creating things while taking certain steps to make them happen. So in other words, the, uh, uh, um, there is like, uh, for instance, I'll, I'll just give one one of the aspects of the magic away is is uh, one. Well, actually, one was very apparent if you look at it. You know, um, actually two, right? So one would be will. I'm using will as 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 a magic element, 
and 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 another is as as you will see on this comic, which will be um, this issue, which will be apparent, would be voodoo. Voodoo. Cool. Um, and the thing is, um, looking into studying voodoo. I mean, not studying like that. I'm not a practitioner of voodoo. But looking, <laughs> but but um, looking into voodoo and um, watching a few documentaries, and um, I'll say this quietly, but even uh, talking to family members. Um, not not voodoo, but let's just say uh, what we would call like santeria or trabajos, which is um, certain things that are done culturally, you know, in 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 places in 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 bodegas. I think you guys have seen it if you go to a bodega all the way in the back. There's a whole bunch of uh, candles and everything. And there's a there's an old lady sitting in the back room. I, I think they even show something like that in um, uh, Luke Cage on Netflix. Um, <laughs> that, that's for real folks um I, i'm not saying i'm not saying the attestment of the magic or anything is real i'm just saying those places are real sure and there's a strong belief system and as far as where the magic comes from i i do um see how they have a complete belief from where it comes from they really believe it comes from another realm a hundred percent from another realm, for, from from another reality that that they can pull and use it in in, in their way and 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 somehow appease certain beings and so on and so forth. So I'm I'm taking some of those elements as well and trying to understand it uh, respectfully, mm-hmm. um, and kind of put it in this world because now this world is heavily heavily influenced by it. So the people who who believed. And, and we're and we're doing this type of uh, um, these type of uh, rituals, so to speak. Now have a solid way of of doing things because it's part of their reality now. That's really cool of you to to go that route with something like voodoo, which is normally seen as like uh, you know you talked about like the, in the basis of that religion and that practice, it's in another realm, right? Mm-hmm. But even in pop culture, we always sort of view it in the realm of like it's separate from what's good, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. But what I, what I like about the first issue, and it sounds like you're doing this with the second issue too, is that you're again, taking those three M's and you're blending it all together and to make one world. And that's, that's really cool. And I'm glad Matt asked about sort of like the divergent points in history and stuff like that, because like you have something like Watchmen, which I love, right. That does Mm -hmm. the divergent history. Right. Right. Um, and does it well because it's like a very like you know it's only like in like 1940s like the 1940s where like history diverged um that does it well and then you have like other things like the awful netflix film bright which do like (laughs) you know they try to do like thousands of years but then like it just raises so many questions as why the world is the way that it is even though it's like thousands of years it's been this way right I like that your take is basically like, okay, what if during the industrial revolution, we just went steam all the way, you know, that kind of thing. And then of course you said like introducing magic that has to be kind of, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're drawing this from a place of love, but that sort of world building also just opens up so many possibilities to draw more things that you love, you know? And is that sort of a philosophy you've continued on with is just like, you know, just draw what I want, you know? And, uh, and I guess, I mean, that might be an obvious question, but kind of in a way that sometimes when you're writing, you kind of become a slave to the laws that you've laid down. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, and then like, maybe you forget like, okay, why am I doing this in the first place? You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? I guess that's, that, that's sort of, I was interested to write your thoughts on that. Um, that, that, that makes complete sense. Um, it, it, I would say it, it's a combination of, of, you know, like all of the above, right. Where um, I, I do think, looking introspectively and as far as where my creativity comes from, I do at this point, I could actually finally realize where it all comes from and definitely comes from when (laughs) I'm I'm doing a lot of times my creativity comes from not doing just drawing. So in other words, like when I'm doing the drawing and everything, it's almost like I'm doing the, the act of, 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 of passion, the love, the, the love I have, um, for what I want to do, what I want to create, that, that's an actual enactment of, of, of what I want to do, right? Um, and then there, you know, all these tools that we all know about, you know, looking at your work and, and dissecting it to achieve the, um, um, the image we want to achieve, right? But my creativity comes from sometimes the most mundane things. Sometimes I remember where, where I'd have a, you know, I've had different jobs, you know, I had a job and then one day, you know, we were, you know, um, my boss was like, Oh, you know, please, you know, hold, hold the, hold the hood open for me on the truck. And, and, and I have to change some part. I'm looking and I'm staring at the part. And then I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, what if, what if that part was alive? Or what if, you know, you could just talk to the, to the engine and say, Hey, listen, pass. I mean, I'm not speaking randomly right now, but what if, you know, so I realized that that's where my, a lot of my imagination comes from. So therefore that's another reason why I lo- I love history so much. Um, why I like listening to a um, bunch of a podcasts on different, uh, on different parts of history, um, mm-hmm. everything from, you know, ancient history to current. Um, I, I've been in a big 1960s kick lately where I'm basically delving into that whole era of the 60s. But I know I noticed that that helps me come up with ideas. So I, I watch something, I, I hear something, and then that gives me an idea for a robot or, or, or a situation or, or, you know, just that is where I get a lot of my ideas. So I, I think my, my, my passion for history is what helped me want to create this world because like, like you said, you know, I feel like, you know, I, you know, one thing that's coming and the thing is I'll I'll just, you know, I'll I'll put it out there is we're definitely going to see what this has, what the, this, this world, this, uh, um, this reality has impacted or the impact it has on, on the Mayan and Aztec culture. And, and that was a whole, that's a whole nother set of designs I have. And, you know, my, the, the writers just can't wait to get to that part. Nice. So, you know, you were talking about your sort of thinking about like technology, when you are designing the technology, are you taking like a lot, a lot of like artistic license or are you maybe scouring the, the internet for like patents of things that were like fantastical that like didn't work out and you sort of see a little bit and you're like, Hey, you know, I, I might take something from that. And, and like, like how much, like, I know there's artistic license and you, you need to make stuff look cool and you need to have it like functional, but are you sort of like researching like, um, you know, some technology around the time frame that somebody might have been like on the cutting edge and, and trying to make and, and sort of designing tech from that? Um, you know, that's, 
that's a good angle. Um, as far as what you mentioned, looking at stuff that didn't work out, that I haven't done. I I do have to say I haven't looked at anything that has has failed in the past. What I have looked at is what actually works, mm-hmm. or what has worked, and then I kind of redesign it to fit. Um, so I've been kind of more practical, so to speak. I've been taking stuff that I know works, or or how I think it works, and then kind of just um, play with it. Um, sometimes, and again, folks, sometimes um, I am I am not an engineer. I can't, you know, I, I created a jet plane, okay, <laughs> and. And logistically, could that work? I don't know. <laughs> and you guys are going to see it in work. I actually created the, and I, I, I shared the design, so I'm actually going to elaborate where it's a jet plane, but the, the actual top part is um, actually the, the Zeppelin part of it, of it is um, covered with um, small, small jets, <laughs> right? Some, some basic uh, um, jets across, across the top. And then there's a mechanism that, that the gondola, because I, looking into Zeppelins, I, I found out that there are what, what's called soft Zeppelins and rigid Zeppelins and in between, right? So oh, I, here we're gonna, I guess we're going to do a, a Zeppelin lesson. But um, a rigid yeah. a Zeppelin is considered anything with a gondola attached to the actual Zeppelin, the, the balloon, let's call it, right? Uh, and then non-rigid is with it hanging. So, you know, have you seen pictures with that, with the gondola just kind of dangling there with mm-hmm. like ropes that that's non-rigid. And, and then I thought, Oh, what if one could transform from non-rigid to rigid? So that's why I have these big arms on that huge uh, jet plane that you'll see. And that thing hoists. So it, when it goes into jet mode, the, the arms go up and they kind of like, it picks up the gondola on, on, in the, uh, in the belly and then takes off. That's awesome. Yeah, I love all the designs that you have on there. You can kind of see your um, Transformers influences and in a lot of those. And the, not the, in a way where it's like, oh, he just wanted to draw steampunk Transformers or anything like that. Like, they're still really inventive. Oh, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, turn our attention to the sort of the, the business aspect of this. Like, um, so you ran the Kickstarter for that for, for this book, and now you are in the the mode of sort of trying to generate uh, pre-orders, and you've set up a, a web page to, to do that. So do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, now that you have worked on the book, the book is nearly completed, um, and now you're looking for folks to um you know come in and pre-order it do you want to talk a little bit about the sort of the business aspect of that uh, uh, definitely not not only just talk about it i would love to um um share share my thoughts and would love to hear back from anyone who listens to to uh, um to this show or or even has any um a feedback of of some angles that i think work work perfect for for kickstarter and for artists and creatives so uh, yes please let's get into it Okay. So when you, so the, the book is, was kickstarted. And so that was a number of folks who, who came in at, at that point. So you're looking to reach for, for another audience past that. Right. Right. So, um, you know, are you looking at like Facebook groups? Are you looking at, you know, folks who are 
supportive of like indie comics, comics that are not like big two superhero comics and trying to like reach out to them through various means so that they know that this book exists? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you, you, uh, you, you actually explained the outline right there. I mean, that's the outline. So I, I would say the same, the same channels you use to market your, your comic and your Kickstarter Mm-hmm. are going to be the same channels you need to go back to so that you can uh, get your to get your pre-orders because all those people that you can't assume number one you can't assume that that not even half the people on those different channels even saw your original post in the first place so not assuming that 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 means when you have your product ready to go a product you can f- actually ship you should actually go go back to those channels which are face groups, uh, Facebook groups, um, your social media channels, your different platforms, go back to those and then come back with your new message, which is the comic is ready. If you want to order it, come here. And at that point, you could, you, it, it will help you generate uh, more sales. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at this point, I have gotten um, a few more orders that are, 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 are pre-orders. So now my numbers are, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not talking, you know, hundreds or anything like that. If, if not, you know, you know, that would be super awesome, but I'm talking, you know, under a hundred or actually realistically under 50, you know, uh, I think, you know, I'm at like, you know, another 20 orders that that's actually very cool. You know, someone just ordering, you know, one, one issue with some stickers. That's all they want. Fine. I'll fulfill that. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually getting back to um, be able to expand my sales and and to have ju- just a simple actually i i don't i have more than just a page i have a website dedicated to that the world of m.net so people can go right to the website they can look at, at a bundle and 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 order a bundle and this would be the, the second go around which would give me the opportunity to um sell, sell the comic now now within this step i would also recommend um ads in your comic we, we all have comics. They all have ads. Now, when you think about this as far as um, what this means for publishing or a publisher is that let's say, you know, um, someone like Marvel. I mean, I don't know what they charge for ads, but it has to be, I mean, can we say, let's say $100,000 maybe for one run for, I mean, I, that, that could be low. That could be right there. I mean, 100000 for like, let's say a big, you know, a, a gaming company, that's like pennies to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, you know, you multiply that for, for, for advertiser now. So like, let's say if you're a publisher or, or this is the way I think about it, right. You know, I, I'm the publisher, I'm making the, this comic. So if, if I can get, you know, two or three ads in my comic, right. And I, and if I know my, my, my comic run is going to, you know, my comic book run, let's say I'm just throwing a number out there. Let's say, um, and I'm going to order small, you know, we're talking about ordering small, ordering small from, you know, depending on what kind of deal you can work out. But I actually like, there, there's one vendor I like a lot. So like, let's say it's $500 that's costing you in, in, in printing, right? So if, if we divide that by four, what do we have? Um, Oh, I was told there would be no math on the on the podcast. So I... <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fall asleep now. Thanks. <laughs> here you go. Here you go. You know, um, so uh, yeah, 500 divided by four. That's uh, 125. So you figure, if if you can get 
four ads, and I'm just throwing numbers out there. It can be less than that. Four ads, that's five hundred dollars. So, mm-hmm. like, let's say with four ads, you know, you reached out and somehow you ended up getting four ads for one hundred twenty-five dollars, and your printing costs you five hundred. Guess what? Your printing costs are, are are made. Yeah, and I think one thing that's interesting that what you're doing is with this with this pre-order system that there is nothing more frustrating than being in the madness of a kickstarter and for like 30 31 days maybe longer you're just grinding it out and you're like and then and then somebody comes to you like two days later and they're like oh i would have wish you i i I wish i would have known that was a thing and i would have backed it and you're like oh man i've just been virtually I, I, kicking my butt for 30 days to try to get yeah. this word out to you yes, and you come yes. to me and you in come to me mind, 48 hours after and go i yes, wish i knew yes. that was a thing in and my you're... mind i'm like if we were in, in, in real life i would throw you on the ground get behind you hit you with a real naked choke and then after after you fall asleep i'd, I'd kick your body yeah so you're, you're covering yourself with this 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 other system that you have here so i think that's really cool i like I like how you, I like Matt, how you started off like uh, Don Corleone, Don Corleone, Corleone, oh my gosh, the Godfather. The God- yeah, you started out like the Godfather, like you come to me, <laughs> that kind of things like about my Kickstarter. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, then <laughs> George went on with like putting a mob hit on the person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I, uh, this got dark quick. Yeah, Kickstarter, yeah. <laughs> Kickstarter, Kickstarter can get uh, bleak at times, you know. No, no but I, I yeah. totally feel you on that because you're you're trying your best to market something, and and, and you know what? In reality, I've I've I, I've actually told this to myself and have come to terms with it that yes, it can happen. You know, mm-hmm. people won't know because you we we are all assuming that when we post something, everyone is online. Mm-hmm. that's a bad assumption because there are people that sometimes they only go to their social media maybe a few times a week maybe a certain time of day maybe this maybe that and then we also know we we know that these platforms are only showing a percentage of your actual audience mm-hmm. so given that and if you do ever you know if you know the, the the rule of ones which they teach in advertising you would know that you know you know the one percent of the people you know what is it? Is, is every one percent of the people you would advertise to it, what the every one percent? So that's why when if if you're on television, if you would even get the one percent of people that that would see your product, that means that means what? It's a million people that just saw your product. What was that equals? Oh oh oh, more math. Was that uh, that that's a uh, um a hundred sales? Mm-hmm. Um, or that or was that a thousand? One percent. It would be. Yeah, be a million. A yeah, it would be a thousand. A thousand sales yeah. for a comic. Uh, for kind of books at a guy for a guy my size that that's incredible so using that so imagine you know we don't have a million people i mean hey if, if not for nothing if if you guys had a a, a million followers or whatever i don't think you guys would, would, would even be talking to me <laughs> so, so so let's uh-huh. be, be let's be real about about the numbers right um if if someone had those type of numbers um they're, they're you know they're, they're they're up there you know they're considered a, a true influencer but so thinking about, you know, the, the, the terms of that as far as getting some advertising, even if you get, what if you get only half of your, your printing costs covered w- with some advertisers? Mm-hmm. And you know what, sometimes it's just as easy as finding a business you like, a local business, sending them an email, 
I'll send them a nice proposal. This is what I'll do. You'll get X amount of copies free included. Da 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 da. And then you'll be surprised who who will get back to you. Um, I actually I, I, on this I I didn't do I can't say I honestly did that so much for this issue. Why? Because there was um especially um with what uh the kind book shops went through as far as um. Um, with with the whole COVID situation, I'm, I'm, I, I actually um, g- gave really big discounts for for advertising in, in my book this time around, which was fine. I, I kind of expected that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I still got, I still have something to put towards my my my, my printing costs because I, honestly, I mean, even with all that covered, I'm still. I would say even if I had to evaluate my time on this project, I'm still at a negative. I'm still, I mean, yes, it was funded. Yes, it's, it's the goal I wanted. But overall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm still at a negative. Uh, and why do I say that is because, you know, when we, when we add these uh, packages or, or these, um, like, especially for me, where I, which I do the giveaways in, in, in this and that, that's extra time I'm, I'm, I'm taking from other creative work to put into this um, a Kickstarter. So there is a certain amount of, of, giveaway that I'm doing giveaways that 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 I'm doing so mm-hmm. um the pre-sales help you know um advertising getting getting, getting some advertising uh, uh would help um the pre-sales are really good and I have to say right, right off the bat why I moved so hard on doing pre-sales was um I was watching and I want to say it now that way people can look it up um Alterna Comics um who's the who's the main dude there um Peter um Palmiati? Uh I I I I don't think that's right but I I know the Peter is 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 correct Peter, the first no, name. No, oh, no. I, I think yeah that's that I think the other guy's an inker I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing Jimmy people. Jimmy Palmiati you're yeah. probably thinking of. Oh yeah. yeah yeah Jimmy Palmiati um Peter well okay well let's just say alternative comics um uh, um they do a a YouTube uh stream. He does a YouTube stream and then this was one that was a, maybe like a month ago or six weeks ago, he was on live and just talking about the industry and everything. And I did it because of him. He said, you know what, guys, if I were to start a comic book right now, if I were to start this right now, you know what I would do? I would just have, I would just have a website set up where I can, I can get direct, take direct orders and then just, just do all the marketing uh, myself, you know, um, um, handle my marketing, ha- handle, handle that. And then just, and then just, just have a, a, a at least a landing page for, mm-hmm. for people to, um, put in orders for your comic and I, and, I, and I was already kind of playing with that idea of, of, of taking orders through my through the website because I do pay for it already and I might as well try to make it um at least if not profitable at least uh, break even so I I, I t- 100% took it took it from him and, and and he goes into the whole industry the whole distributing um deal what's been going on for for decades and and he totally like decodes it completely decodes it it's a lot of stuff that 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 we may know we we may know already but i would encourage people to uh check them out on on youtube because that that one stream i listened to it so closely i listened to it twice nice so with these pre-orders you're looking initially for sort of that one-to-one relationship you know somebody 
sees some sort of post on social media and mm-hmm. they go and they're like, all right, I want this. Mm-hmm. And they come to you one-to-one on a transaction, but are you, and I, and I, we, we had a pre-show sort of interview, but you would mm-hmm. also be very interested in if sort of a shop saw the ad and they're like, this is something that we're into. We have the ability to have sort of a, an indie section and we want, mm-hmm. we want X number of copies. And so they, they should contact you sort of directly to, to work that out. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I would encourage any, any shop and, please contact me and, and I'll, I'll give you a good deal. As a matter of fact, you let me know what, what your deal usually is for indie creators. Cause mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, it's, it's a whole different type of, you know, it's, it's, first of all, they have a rent to pay for, so they need to move books and for them to have stuff that doesn't move on their shelves. I understand, but I'm more than happy to uh, give them whatever deal deals they work out already. So I'll, I'll match whatever deal you're doing with any other indie creator not a problem um i'll I'll be more than happy to 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 do that and was this pre-order system and you know with the kickstarter was this something that was you felt was sort of a necessity or like a pivot that you had to do with 2020 you know going into 2021 without the ability to sort of go to cons and, and hand sell these things uh yes Yes, um, because of, of not being able to to be at shows or to deal with 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 the public, there's no more of the hey I, I can do this homegrown you know grassroots homegrown thing. There is no grassroots if I'm not leaving my house. I mean, <laughs> there's you know I, I'm not getting out there to meet anybody, and that that's exactly why um, I had to uh, at least add that to to the package. Add it to the package that way. It's it's an it's it's another uh, way to uh, to create sales. So we're gonna put a link to the 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 landing page you have for for pre-orders. Um, but is there anything else you want to say about World of M or you know what you're trying to accomplish here with this before we sort of transition into our next topic? Um, no, nothing more than it, it's 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 a creator owned uh, property that I have uh, a lot of passion for, and and I think if people read it, and if they check it out, they'll they'll keep they'll hopefully they'll want to keep reading it, mm-hmm. and that that's all. It, it's definitely um, a project a project that comes from you know from within, and I would just hope that uh, people will check it out. That's all. Awesome. So Noah, do you have any questions about World of M before we sort of transition into uh, the world of sketch cards? No, no questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about sketch cards, but also just like, just sort of say thanks for explaining the, you know, the the benefits to the pre-order system that you have. And it's, uh, it's just not something I guess we talk about enough on this podcast about, you know, the fiscal side of things, because mm-hmm. as as we all know, like you don't get into this business to get rich, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's really cool to see, to talk process in that area and really see like what someone else does. So I, I, I was, it was a very, uh, very good learning experience for me. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and one final tip is to don't go live by mistake. <laughs> like I did <laughs> for this. I, I, 
I don't know how, but I thought I was just setting up for a future, but somehow I ended up just going live at that moment. And I'm like, oh crap. So don't do that. And I think you're going to do, you're going to do just fine. <laughs> okay. Are you talking about you? Did you click the, on the Kickstarter? Did you click go live before you, you were planning or, or, yes. or, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and I can't even explain, Right now, I can't even explain it well enough that where I know it showed you where you want it. There was like a, a little calendar thing where you can select where you want it to start. So I selected it was within, I don't know, like within four or five days or or what have you from 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 the time. I, and, and I was like, OK, yeah, I'll do that. That way I don't have to do anything that, you know, that day I'll just check, check, check on it or whatever. And I, I selected that. And then I was like you know, go live, <laughs> but, but duh, it says go live. <laughs> and that's it. Then I was just like, and I'm like, wait, I actually went live. I thought I was setting it up for it to go live in a few days. So yeah. Yeah. You almost, you almost, you know, a lot of times when you're online and you do something, there's sort of like the message, like, are you sure like that you want to do yeah. that? It's almost like amazing that they didn't have sort of like that second pop-up window that said, Hey, are you sure you want to do this? Yes or no. So that's, yeah. So you think at least, there'd be a better system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so another thing that you're very active in is the, the sketch card uh, industry. And I think you mentioned that, and if I have this correct, you've been doing this for roughly, I'd say nine to, to 10 years. Is that correct? Yeah. Getting, getting on, on 10 years. Oh yeah. So nine, I, I, my first sketch card set or anything having to do with sketch cards was in uh, 2012. Okay. It was, it was towards the end of 2012. And yeah, I'll, I'll just say this because this is my first thing. It'll be, yeah. end of towards the end of 2012, uh, Bridget, um, entertainment they were a sketch card company that that would that would put out sketch cards for different um properties like uh, witchblade they even had the transformers license for a little bit um some movie properties i think they actually had um walking dead like the comic comic stuff um some and, and a few other other properties I, I can't remember but oh they had a lot of dynamite properties dynamite mm -hmm you know, Vampirella and all, all that stuff. Oh, and they also did, uh, what is it? A uh, Michael Linsner, Michael Joseph Linsner's um, Dawn. Yeah. So they, they had those properties. So at the, at the time, this was towards, um, I remember it was uh, a few months before um, 2012 New York Comic Con. And they were looking for artists in a rush. They were looking for artists to do some base card work. So I saw the ad and I submitted some artwork and I said, okay, um, do that. You want to do some, some, some fold-out cards? And I asked what are fold-out cards? And, and they're like, oh, it's this one card that opens up to like a full, like eight and a half by 11 or, or whatever it opens up to. And like you sketch on it and it's a very odd size, you know, and, and we're paying better rates or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had no... A sketch card experience other than trying trying to work this thing where it's actually a card here but then it opens up to this bigger piece you could actually find those online if you, if you go to if you go to um ebay and look up ragent and maybe george vega george vega you'll probably find some of my sketch cards or you, you'll even find my, my base card that i did which 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 oddly enough the character looks almost like walter tank but let's say that was the predecessor walter tank because we were able to do steampunk stuff so that mm -hmm. was my my first steampunk job technically wow 
So um, that was the first thing I, I, I ever did. So, and that was, and that, and they released that and they had that available at um, New York Comic Con 2012. So with sketch cards, are they almost like, uh, like trading cards that are in a pack and then there's like standard cards and like the, the sketch cards are sort of like things that people are chasing, like mm -hmm. buying a pack in hopes that they're going to yes. find an original in there. Okay. Yes. And from what I, from what I remember and what the numbers were, they could have changed now, but I remember the numbers were you have a, like a one in seven chance or a one in nine chance on pulling an actual sketch card. Okay. So when you enter in with a contract and let's say like, I think I've seen some of your stuff recently. I think I saw like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw you sketching Namor. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's like, is that Upper Deck and Marvel like coming together for, mm -hmm. for a collaboration? Yes. So do they say they want Namor or do they give you a little bit of liberty and they say, you know, we want these certain ones, which one appeals to you? And then you go back to them and say, hey, I want to do Namor. I want to do Black Panther. I want to do Jean Grey. Like, is like, how does, how does that work? Yeah, um, it, it, it works. It's all predicated on the actual set, on the actual set and set name. So, for instance, for the most part, like something like uh, that, that set I worked on, it's, it's called um, Marvel Black Diamond, which is supposed to be their, one of their top premier card sets, which to me, or let's say to the consumer, it means that they're buying one of the best sets out there so supposedly everything's premiere where like they have they use some of the best artists they use some of the best this and that you know best um type of uh other type of cars like um i, I forgot what they call them um specialty cards like all, all, all anything that's like super rare and all that kind of stuff they it, it's it, it, it's in this pack and supposedly they they use you know the creme de la creme of uh, their top artists on these on these four sketch cards and you know i don't know if, if, well, if you've seen them all the base card sets a base card is basically non-sketch you know the the print the printed stuff um those are always um a lot of the the marvel stuff so all they do is, is take marvel artwork and put it on there and it's basically upper deck is doing that marvel approves all all the artwork so a couple of questions there, and then I'm going to turn things over to Noah. Um, do you have to sort of show things in various phases to an editor? Are you like when the card's done, you're like, all right, this is this is Namor. Is this like up to snuff? And then they say, yep. And then you, you know, you put it in an envelope and you mail it back to them to be inserted into to a card. Yeah, the, the, the terms for, for this type of work is completely draconian. <laughs> okay, um, and to, to further elaborate is that you get the card sent to you, you have X amount of uh, days to ship it back. You have a list. You, what they do is they do give, we do have, or we get a list of no-nos. So they'll give you a list of, of band characters. Like let's say one of the top is, uh, is, is Howard the Duck. No Howard the Duck. 
And if you look at it, it is because I think he's, he's partly owned by some other company or something. So, so anything with licensing issues, you're not doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic Four, you can't touch Fantastic Four. But from my work or my tenure there, or as, as I'm doing some of this work, I, I am weaning off as the years go on, I'm doing less and less of it. Um, Fantastic Four in particular was not, you know, we, we all know what the problem was with that, was that um, F- um, Fox owned the rights. So the, Marvel doesn't want to keep feeding, Marvel didn't want to keep feeding Fox, you know, the, you know, Fantastic Four and all this stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and, and have them um, benefit from them um, having continual, continual stuff on the market. So, so, so we do get a, a banned character list. And, and, and there's a bunch of other characters on there, or whatever. So once you're done, you pack them up, send them back. And then however many months later, when the product comes out, anywhere from as short as four months or as long as a year or more, you don't even know what's been, what's, what's been accepted or not. If it, gets, if it gets rejected, it gets destroyed. Wow. Oh, wow. Man, that sucks. Yep. Like, that's... So, is your, like, best system of trying to figure out if you've been accepted is just sort of scouring the the internet to see if somebody's like, hey, I went into this, you know, premium pack and I, I pulled a George Vega. Like, is that, like, the, the one well, of the best ways for you to figure out if your stuff is in the hands of a, a consumer? Um, a yes and no. Generally, I've noticed that usually when the check rolls in, oh, okay. is right about when they're going to release product. Nice. And I also, I, I, I have a buddy who is in the, does some sketch card stuff, and he told me something that was pretty amazing, that like if he's commissioned for like 15 cards, he's given like 15 blanks. He's not given like 17 in case he like you know goes really off like off plan with one like he doesn't have any grace uh or you know he doesn't have any extras to like okay i have these two in reserve in case something goes terribly wrong like if he's commissioned for 15 he's getting 15 blanks and that's that's all he's got so that that's the case yep that that is the case You, you know um you're you're a traditional media artist, so each one of those is it has to be has to be um, good enough to for someone to to put in a pack. Nice. Well, not nice, but like nice that yeah, you're, yeah, you, like, that you're producing a quality product. Um, have you I, had? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. No, I just I just couldn't imagine the the pressure of I don't have you know a reserve card in case. You know, yeah. I, I get I get into the ink or I get into the coloring and I make a, uh, you know, I make a yeah. misstep or, you know, my, my, you ink, my ink brush drops <laughs> a, a drop of ink in a, a spot that I, I don't want. I couldn't you imagine that pressure. I've had, I've had, you'd be surprised that with enough, I don't even say with enough experience, but if you're willing to try to fix something, you'd be surprised what you can come up with. I've had everything happen as far as from the the only one time was when a car was actually bent. 
a car was actually bent. I was actually in, it was a funny process because I actually finished something. I actually showed my wife and she was in the middle of sitting down and it, and it slipped and it kind of, it was on the sofa and my son was like maybe like five at the time. So she kind of like lost her, I won't say lost her balance, but she sat at the angle where the car was at. <laughs> and then the car, the car was literally bent. Oh um, man. All, and the card was just inked at that point. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I really can't do that. So, so that's probably the only damage I've actually had that I couldn't couldn't repair. There's been times where I've, I, in the middle of inking something, which would happen <laughs> maybe a little bit more often than I would like to admit, where I'm actually falling asleep and it's just like, <laughs> no. And then I'm like, oh wow, or or like that blotch is like, oh well, I guess he has a shadow there. <laughs> <laughs> let me hatch out that shadow and make it look make it look nice but you'd be surprised how much you get away with especially with just um like a white gel pen um how much correcting you can do and, and then once you put color on top of that and then just you know do you know do some techniques to um to work your way to, to work your way out of it so have you ever like have they ever come back to you and let you know i guess like do you you know what what cards get put into the packs i guess depends on what cards you get paid for right exactly so you know like what cards got rejected or like how many Mm -hmm. cards got rejected by just how much you got paid and yeah um, yeah 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 basically and i I have to say i mean if i haven't had too many issues with, with with rejections and i won't say that that's an attestment of any greatness of mine but that's an attestment of playing it safe so in other words um they ask you hey Actually, they are changing it now, but they want you to stay with the 616 universe. Uh, you guys familiar with that terminology? Yeah. Well, like the 616 so is no the- Spider-Man 2099 or Punisher 2099. Right, right. Although there are now they, they're making exceptions. Like now they're making exceptions to it now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. but for the most part, but see, that's what I do. I, I have done Spider-Man 2099 without a problem. Oh, nice. But you see, I, I don't try to do too, too many of them. So it's like, I look at 616. I go actually to the to the Marvel um, um, database uh, website. I look at the the latest current um, costumes. If the costume is one that that's on the cover, that that's an actual official like cover from Marvel. I'm that that's a costume I'm using, you know. And then keeping it safe, like certain outfits. Um, let's say Scarlet Witch, the the one the, the outfit. That most likely we all like the uh, the maroon, the the red, pink, or maroon pink or, or magenta pink, however, you know, with the with the low cut. I if I draw that one, I give it a high a high cut on the uh, chest area. I, I, I make it a, a little bit um, more PG. So it's because I play I, I play it safe. Sometimes I don't. I would rather do more. You know, like Emma Frost. I do the most conservative Emma Frost, which is the one with the corset and the white pants and the fur. Like I'm not doing any other Emma Frost, any other type of Emma Frost. I'd like to see like a, a Mennonite Emma Frost with like, you know, like buttoned up all the way to the top and stuff like that, you know? B- business, um, business casual Emma business Frost. Business casual <laughs> Emma Frost, yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. So with, uh, when it comes to color, like the cards... I've never, I don't own any, I guess I've just sort of interacted with some people at conventions who have them like yourself. They're kind of like a Bristol cardstock material, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess does like, do, do the 
people who own the cards, do they give you guidelines on what materials you can use on it and things like that? Or is it just sort of like in the hands of the artist, like, you know, what goes like, what will work on cardstock and what won't work on cardstock and things? Yeah, I have to say the, the cardstock, the cardstock they use is pretty rigid. It's pretty strong. It, it can handle like a lot of, um, it has good absorption. Um, some, some sets, the, the, the super premium, actually, I think I have something here. Like super premium are like very thick. I don't know okay. if you see how, how oh, thick wow, it yeah. is. We can see that on a Zoom call how thick that is. Yeah, yeah, this is this is like pretty thick, and that's um on that type of material. So you you can do that. You could actually even use acrylic. It even says you know materials that you can use if you want to paint and stuff like that. Some people use a little acrylic paint and stuff like that. So the material is made to 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 handle that. Now, um, you know the. Uh, forewarning or or basically how how you handle it and, and and what you do is totally up to you there are some people that have a very simple style so like style has everything to do with it if you have something that's very simple it, it does have to be full color if you have a, a quick you know sketchy loose style or what have you um that works or if you have a i guess it would be me i guess which would be a render a render bro because all i do is like render stuff you know and i, and I keep it kind of tight i'm just you know i'm just a fan of you know uh the, the marvel dc stuff or whatever so i try to make it look like something in the vein of, of uh of that 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 type of publishing so if you were somebody that was interested in in breaking into um the sketch card business do when we had cons, were there people who were walking around Artist Alley looking for folks, or was it mostly sort of um, submitting portfolios uh, online, or maybe a combination of of the two? Like, if you are trying to get your work, you know, in front of somebody who's a decision maker, um, you know, when the world gets back to normal, mm -hmm. is it is it you know pounding the pavement? in an artist alley or is it digitally um, submitting work or, or a combination of the two? Yeah, um, a combination of the two. N number one, when I started Upper Deck, there was no way of contacting Upper Deck um, yeah, with, without digressing too much, but there was no way. So the Upper Deck contacted me. So I never even submitted to Upper Deck. They saw my work around and they contacted me. And, and that's how I, I've been working with Upper Decks ever since. But it's, now it's changed, completely changed. So they actually, if you look it up, I mean, it's totally Googleable, Google, Googleable, where you can uh, look at up, Upper Deck and you can submit for sketch cards. So they actually take submissions online. So it's pretty, I won't say easy to get in, but it's pretty easy to submit. The, and they're they're they are always at shows. I do believe they're always at San Diego Comic Con, um, sometimes New York Comic Con. So like when they're at a convention. And there's an upper deck booth, a um, cryptozoic booth. I, I mentioned cryptozoic entertainment because cryptozoic has the DC license, so they okay. do all, all the all the DC cards. You go there and you can say, "Hey, I'm interested in, in doing sketch cards." Now, if you don't have anything done within that size, which is two and a half by three and a half, don't bother because they need they need to see what your work looks like traditional on that card. So. You can't show them something big and say, hey, just imagine this, but shrunk down. No, <laughs> it, it, it has to be, you know, two size, at, at least four sample, at least four different cards is good, you know, for, for different types of superheroes and, and, uh, and, and, and they'll take you. Now, um, 
it is it, it is tough work. It mm-hmm. is hard work. Um, and 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 we could get into that as far as you know, like it's it's definitely I would say, you know, I guess buyer beware would be incorrect because you're not buying anything, but but just it, it is it, it is dangerous territory because it is tough work. I would think almost you 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 brought up a really good point um, about sort of having the the work done at the size, but you know, like I would think almost having like a binder of the you know where you have the sleeves where you can put like nine of them together just to have somebody to have the ability to to flip through that would also be very sort of yeah. beneficial to like um, in the show a variety of characters. Mm-hmm and you know um Males, male di- male female different type of characters um as a matter of fact if, if you want to do something like that and have a portfolio ready what you would do is, is put them all on a on a binder on, on a baseball card a binder which is uh i think a nine up mm-hmm. you can have nine pieces right there and show show those around nice awesome yeah, that's so, cool. But what I, do you I do, use? Do you use do you use Copics on yours, like Copic yeah, markers? Yep, yep, yep. A hundred percent Copic or Copic. I don't know how you say. It. I've been saying Copic for years, so yeah, I guess I don't know how you say I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I can't be saved. I, I can no longer be safe. So uh, Copic uh-huh. marks I've been using for years. Um, love those. Um, I, I I won't say that they're better than anything else, but I've been using those, and I and I just at that point I just. Uh, got in deeper and just bought more and more sets of those. And uh, th- th- those have been my tried and true f- for the longest now. And definitely fun, only because I've always enjoyed it. And I always enjoyed the fact that a fan of uh, of this stuff or this genre that we're in, this comic genre, would actually get one of my cards mm-hmm. yeah. physically, you know. And, and there is a benefit to that. Um, I guess quick pros and cons as far as the industry goes ben uh, uh, let's go into the positive let's be positive first right pros just like i was saying before a collector gets one of my cards my name's on there they look me up online hey i would like to commission you for x y or z i have an ap which is ap is short for artist proof for every for for every five cards i draw i get my own card blank that i can sell aftermarket Okay. And I can I can charge whatever I'd like for it, whatever I'd like, and whatever I think people would want to pay me. And that's licensed, right? That that's too. That's licensed. Now, when you're done with it, you, you submit for your you submit for um, to Upper Deck for them to approve it because they, they, they want to make sure you're not breaking any of the rules. And then once they approve it, you 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 let it go to your customer. But by their by their way of not getting back to people um, and taking so long to approve it. I do believe they're kind of telling you that, hey, listen, don't break any set, don't break any of the rules, and don't bother us with approvals. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to do that, but again, I, I'm talking in a gray area here. But I, I you know, you, you're supposed to get it approved. So, so you get it approved, and and that's it. And it's literally approved and official, something that you did for 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 the client. So that would have a special price list. I mean, or or let's just say, a, a special price if if you're getting something uh, so official. Uh, totally a pro. Uh, another pro would be that y- your skills are going to get better. If if you're doing something that that demands you to do, you know, thirty different characters. Traditionally, uh, uh, pencil, ink, then colored, and for it to be 
you know, uh, rendered well, and, and you can do it in, in a way where um, people like it, your skills are going to get better. Um, if you want to, if you want to be a comic book artist, a you know person who draws comics and 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 have the endurance for it, th- this is a good way to build that endurance. If you do a set of cards, if you do one set and you're like, oh, this is terrible, I can't do any more of this, then good luck, then good luck drawing an actual comic because we we know I I think all present company knows the endurance, the endurance it takes to to finish a comic. Sure. Yeah, it's a good awesome. point. I mean, I really enjoyed this, this conversation. We, you know, 200 episodes in, I don't think we've ever discussed, um, you know, sketch cards this much. Do you ever, um, just for your own sort of knowledge, do you ever go on eBay to see like what the secondary market for something you've drawn is, is, is going for? Yeah. Since, since, uh, <laughs> uh, since we're on zoom, uh, uh, people can't see how, 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 much I'm nodding my head. I think <laughs> artists, as, as soon as you do your first set, you go on eBay to, to and you, you, you basically, you could, you can eBay my name. If you go to eBay and look at my name, you're going to find a bunch of my cards out there. And they, they, they vary from the hundreds of dollars to 50, 60 bucks. So if somebody wants to buy one of my cards, they're, they're more than free to go on there. I have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. But that, that is my, my, that is my original artwork. That is official artwork. You can buy it and purchase it. You could always start with small cards, di- uh, different types of sets I've worked on, and then work your way up to eventually maybe even getting getting, getting uh, a commission from me. But yeah, I do that. I'm sure all the artists do that. Um, I didn't go into the cons yet, so I-, I could go into that if you'd like. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah. Um, historically, it's bad pay. You know, you basically, the contract, you know, agrees to pay you X amount. And, you know, it's not that great, but I, I do see a lot of complaints from other sketch card artists on how, 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 pay, how low the pay is this and that, you know, people, people saying, oh, you know, $23 a card, $22 a card. Honestly, I've never been paid that low for a sketch card ever since I started in the industry. So I think, you know, they are catching people on an entry level and, and saying, Hey, listen, th- th- this much is going to be your first set. We're, we're only going to pay you this much. And I would encourage, so, so in other words, the pay, you know, it can be pretty bad. Uh, second, uh, it's, a, it's a major time suck. So in other words, you, as soon as you get those cars, you need to start working on them because you don't want it to be where like, oh, crap, I'm behind. And you're going to dedicate a whole week or two weeks of your freelance life or of your potential time of getting better paying work to get these cards done while you're getting paid a minimum you're getting paid you know i wouldn't even say thir- third world rates you're getting paid fifth world rates <laughs> oh man you know, you know it, it's gonna get bad you know if you do that so that's why you work in that way i've always i've always gone back and and they probably won't like me saying this and who knows but i really don't care i've always made sure to go back and, and, re- and renegotiate i've always re- renegotiated a- ever since i started because in the end of the day if you don't like my work and you, you don't think I'm worth that, then, you know, don't use me anymore. And every, every new agent they've gotten there, every new guy that has gotten there, they've, they've asked me to come back uh, different, d- different sets. And, 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 you know, I tell me, hey, listen, you, you guys know what I can do. You guys know what I do. So let me know, you know, where we're at. Um, uh, uh, 2020, I did a few sets on 2020 and it's only because 
I think we were all scared. We, we, I, didn't, we I don't know what was going to happen. So I was mm-hmm. just, I was taking on work to make sure I could keep the ball rolling um, and, and getting some work in and not to mention the kind of sets like the, um, the, the Marvel Black Diamond is, is a premiere set. So being that it's such a high level premiere set, I would be able to sell my artist proofs um, pretty easily, which I did. I, I've already sold out of my artist proofs. Nice. Um, so, so staying on the negative. So that's, that, that's basically it, you know, with the whole pay thing, make sure, and, you know, if, if you're doing good work, if you're doing good work and, and, and people are recognizing your work, try, you know, uh, uh, renegotiate. The worst they could say is no. So that's it. That, that's the worst that can happen. And, and a th- one thing I've noticed, a trend here. Now, this is just, I guess, looking behind, you know, pu- peeling back the curtain, I guess that's the right terminology. Um, one thing I've noticed is that there have been people, and, and, it's, and it's a tragedy, that they have gotten all their work rejected. Like, wow. they'll do 20 cards and all of them were rejected. Man. Man, you know, my heart goes out to them. But then it kind of puts me in a position where I'm asking, you know, there, there is supposed to be a vetting process. So, and I've, and I've made this public and I, and I put, and I've said it to other sketch card artists that, that, you know, in different Facebook groups or whatever, that listen, guys, it's pretty obvious that they're not vetting. All they're doing is giving you the work and hoping that you do it. And once you submit it, if it's not at the level, you know, they're not, or I, I didn't even say it's not at the level. If it's not where they, where, where it was approved, they're, they're not paying you. That or that they're overbooking to the point where if, if, if something is at a certain, let's say, um, not quite exactly there as far as uh, looking like professional, um, I won't say professional quality, but let's say polished, mm-hmm. like have that has that polish on it that looks like it's, 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 uh, it, it's corporate art. <laughs> um, you're going to get, you know, you're, you're going to get that, that rejection. So I would say that, that that's another warning. Um, for the market nice so let's um let's finish up by like talking about world of m again so you know we we, the 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 kickstarter was done the pre-orders are up now have you guys discussed any sort of future plans what you want to do next with with future issues you're going to follow the same model um with a kickstarter and then anybody who wasn't able to you know, get in on the Kickstarter, you know, go with this pre-order plan again, or are you just right now focused on, you know, what you have like right now to, to complete? Yeah. Um, we've, the, the plan is to uh, keep the issues going. Mm-hmm. The plan is to finish this, this, this story arc. That's the plan. And I wanted to do at least two issues a year. I'm already kind of running behind on that only because 2020 was so crazy. I, sure. I, I, I only was able to get one, one issue. So I do plan to do another issue later this year. So that that's definitely the plan. The sweet thing about having the second issue is as far as Kickstarters go, you, you can offer issues one and two. And that's always in a weird way that that actually helps your sales because people can be like, oh, oh, I want to back this Kickstarter. Oh, I can get both issues. Okay, I'm going to get them right now. You know, so that's kind of a, a, a um, that helps out. So that that's why I want to keep bringing more issues in. Mm-hmm. I, I do have an end game, and I would encourage everybody to have the same end game. And the en- end game should be like, let's say you want to finish your story arc, or let's say it's a three page, uh, three page, four, uh, three, sto- three, 
three issue run, four issue, five issue, whatever you want to do. If you can kickstart all of those, you have a complete story. You have a complete package. You take that package. I, I think you guys are probably, I don't think, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but you, you, then, then that you can shop around. Mm-hmm. Now you have a complete story that's yours that you can shop around. What I mean by shop around is, guess what? Go to Image because you have a complete five-issue run. See if they're interested. Go to um, uh, a, a, a Dark Horse uh, um, because, you know, they, they're kind of like getting, uh, you know, other properties. Because what they'll do is they'll take your story and put their logo on it, you know. Um, you can go uh, a Fanographics. As a matter of fact, Fanographics encourages it. They actually give you their address on their website. Send, send us your comic. Send us your story, and we'll let you know. And I'm sure they're, they're inundated, but, you know, and, and I'm just saying a few. There's, there's Alterna comics. Same thing. They, they actually, on their website, they say, we're interested in your full story. You know, if it's not completed, m- m- maybe it's best you wait until the end. Mm-hmm. Because if they like it, no problem. Because for them, you're not, what do they call it, cannibalizing your sales? You, you're not cannibalizing your sales because you don't have enough exposure to cannibalize your sales. So in other words, your small exposure, our small exposure to the market is that amount of sales. And then when we, when we go to someone like image, someone like Fanographics, and they put out your product, they're actually selling to their mark to, to their market share, which is not necessarily yours or mine, maybe a f- small percentage. Yeah, and I, I found that like a lot of the, the publishers that if you come to them, you know, maybe with a complete single issue, or in this case, maybe you're going them with a complete story arc that's four to five pages, you're showing that you're serious, that you you have the wherewithal to take something from beginning to end and deliver it. Mm-hmm. And that's less of a risk that they have to take so i think you know you you're hinting at that as well is that you're showing that you have the ability to 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 do this you understand storytelling you can create a product that's you know understandable gets the gets the point across is is appealing to an audience so you're, you're showing that seriousness about it that somebody who might just sort of like walk up to a table and has like two or three pages and says, hey, this is my idea and this is what I want to do. That's one thing, but you know, this is a whole other level of it that you can go and show your, your seriousness with it. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah as, and as creators, that's, that's the, the chip we have to bargain with now. It's not just making one comic or, or, we're, we're, you know, or, or, or to get to the level where it's not just about the idea. Yeah. It's not about the idea of a comic. It's about Oh, I already executed the comic over and over again. Now I have a, a full story, and, and that's our as creators. That is our our bargaining chip or our product that we can. Once it's done, now we got to take that and see all other channels. Because my my plan is to even now to start seeing how I, how, how I can get on other platforms, have it as many have it on as many platforms as possible, because I'm not at the point where my exposure is maxed out because my exposure is almost void or not non-existent compared to any of the publishers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, I think we're going to wrap this up. So I want to check in with Noah if he has any, any final questions, but after we check in with Noah, George, I want to give you a chance. I want you to give us the elevator pitch again, 
um, you know, mention your social media and, and the web page. And we're going to link all of that stuff in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for people to follow along. But Noah, uh, questions or, or final thoughts here? Uh, just a final thought. It's, it's really great that we've now had you on at least three times, you know, uh, we, we started this podcast to get to know the creative community around comics. And, you know, you were someone that really stuck out to me at conventions because you would take the time to describe your process and we're excited to talk about it. And that, that always made me want you to become on the podcast. So I'm happy that we're now on episode three of that. So thank you for your time and for all the knowledge that you've shared with us about your comics creation. It really means a lot. Yeah, and I guess I'll follow up on that. Um, you know, this is the third time, you know, Noah met you at a con and he suggested, you know, we interview you and this is, you know, the third time and, you know, we've built a relationship and, you know, sharing each other's projects and stuff like that. Is your hope um, as we go into 2021 and people get uh, vaccinated, are you, are you planning to get back on the, on the con scene? I know you're an East Coast guy, we're an East Coast guy our east coast guys do you do you have plans uh that way as a matter of fact i do uh, i i'm i'm doing PowCon at the end of uh may i i the, the last weekend in may uh I, f- I forget what the dates are but i'm doing PowCon at the end of may and that'll be my first a uh, show out of quarantine where's nice. that one where's that one located oh yeah uh, Wayne, new jersey Wayne, New Jersey. Wayne, New Jersey. Okay. PowCon in Wayne, New Jersey, uh, and they they are going to follow all, all uh, safety procedures. Um, from from what I understand, from what I've been told, so it's gonna it's gonna be great. Um, within the the guidelines, it's gonna be a show completely following um all, all guidelines. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think I'll that get that's... my second vaccine by then. We'll have to do a road trip. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm interested in that. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be a big New Jersey show. It, and and what a lot of people don't understand is we have a lot of great cre- comic creators in New Jersey. We yeah. have the Kubert schools. First of all, we we had Marvel and DC in New York. So all the guys from the '70s and '80s that were working there are still live in this area. Then we had the Kubert school right here in New Jersey. So when when, when there's a good New York or New Jersey show, take advantage of it. Oh, of course, not being New York Comic Con because that's just a monster of a show. But I mean, like some of these great shows because you'll be surprised who you you know you you get to meet artists that are the Marvel that were Marvel bullpen artists. And, and that, oh, wow. that I mean, I appreciate that. Some some yeah. people, you know. No, I think it was definitely. four four years ago today, actually, George, that I met you. Oh, really? Um, which is weird for me to. Like, I remember it because my sister's birthday is tomorrow on the 30th and I went on a Saturday and the next day was her birthday. So I think it's been, today's our anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Of when I met you. And obviously I don't expect you to remember that, but I met you in New Jersey four years ago. Yeah. And, the, uh, the, the New Jersey Con Expo or something like that. Yeah. New Jersey Con Expo. That was a great convention. I met a lot of great people there, but mm-hmm. you were the first that I met. And it was, yeah, it was a good convention. That was, it was really great. Yeah. Cool. So George, do the, uh, do the pitch for World of M and the, uh, the shout outs for, for your social media as we close up here. Uh, we'll do. As a matter of fact, for, for the pitch of the World of M, it's a steampunk uh, fantasy comic adventure, uh, fantasy adventure story. And go to the website because on the website, you could actually check out half 
of the comic right on the website, oh. theworldofm.net. If you go there, you can read half the comic there of the first issue. And you can order issues one and two right on the website as well. So that's probably the best way to, to get your hands on the comic and read half of the first issue right there on the, on the same website. Awesome. And your social media, I think you're mostly George Vega art on a lot of stuff, right? George Vega art on all social media. Instagram is, is, is my main um, uh, update, but I'm also on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Cool. Well, we're going to link the, the website and the social media and the, and the show notes for the podcast just to make it as easy as possible. But Perfect. And, and every Tuesday, I stream live on Twitch. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was able to, to watch a few. And I, I know that there was one that I was trying to be on. I had some technical difficulties on my side. So hopefully we can work that out again soon. Please, and- I want you back. I, I actually, it'd be great to have the both of you on so, and, and we can talk comics. Oh, I cool. love that. Awesome. Yeah. So George, uh, thanks uh, for being on. Um, we're excited uh, for this book and excited for more stuff. And I, I appreciate the, uh, the look into the, uh, the, the world of sketch cards. I, uh, yeah. 200 episodes in, we, we've never sort of broached that topic, but uh, now we, uh, now we learned a lot of stuff about that. So I, I think that that's going to be beneficial to folks. Yeah. Sketch cards and advertising and comics, both of them. Yeah. Great lessons on that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. Facebook is Constructing Comics. And also we're going to have a link to the Dino Thrashers Fire and Ice Kickstarter in the show notes. And that's going at the time of this recording is going live in roughly two days. So uh, please check that out. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.